John 5. Back in John. Last time I was here, we were in John. And what I've been working, or what the Lord's been working in me, is out of His mouth cometh a sharp two-edged sword in Revelation chapter 1. It's what the Lord has been dealing with me. The Word proceeding out of the mouth of God. And and in in Mark or Matthew four, Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now John five thirty seven. In five verse thirty seven he writes And the Father Himself, which have sent me, have borne witness of me. Ye have neither heard His voice at any time, nor seen His shape. And ye have not His word abiding in you. For whom He have sent, Him ye believe not. Search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. And you will not come to me that you might have life. I receive not honor from men, but I know you that you have not the love of God in you. I am come in my Father's name, and you receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him you will receive. How can you believe which receive honor one of another? And seek not the honor that cometh from God only. Do not think I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuseth you, even Moses, in whom you have trust. For had ye believed Moses, ye would have believed me. For he wrote of me. But if you believe not his writings, how shall you believe my words? All right. That is so important here. Yes, it he, is. He's dealing with the Word abiding in them. Now, now let's put this in context to the people He was speaking to in that day. Now, I know this Word affects all of us, but He was speaking there to the Jewish nation. You know, he, uh, John writes, He came unto His own, and His own received Him not. So if I put this in context, if I go back to the book of Deuteronomy, and we're going, we, I think we were in it last time I was here, but we're going to a different place and then to the other scripture in Deuteronomy where we were before. But Deuteronomy 6, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, I'm going to read out of the Berean translation here. In verse one, Berean translation, BSB. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. But uh, these are the commandments and statutes. Verse one, Deuteronomy six one. These are the commandments and statutes and ordinances that the Lord your God has instructed me to teach you to follow in the land that you are about to enter and possess, so that you and your children and great grandchildren may fear the Lord your God all the days of your lives by keeping all His statutes and commandments that I give you. 
and so that your days may be prolonged. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe them, so that you may prosper and multiply greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words I am commanding you today to be upon your hearts. And you shall teach them diligently to your children and speak of them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down, when you get up, tie them as reminders on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Man, that's pretty serious, ain't it? Yeah. Tie them on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land He swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that He would give you a land with great and splendid cities that you did not build, with houses full of every good thing which you did not fill them, with wells that you did not dig, and with vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. And when you, and when you eat and are satisfied, be careful not to forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Now, I, I see so much in this. I could run off of what, what, it, what all is even said here. But <laughs> I tried to state a point. Maybe I need to run off a minute. Look, look at this. He's telling them, I'm taking you into a land that you didn't even work for. Yeah. You didn't do anything. You didn't build these houses. You didn't build these uh, vineyards. You didn't build the olive planting. You didn't build none of it. I'm taking you to a land flowing with milk and honey. It's flowing of Him. That's what Canaan represented of a place flowing of God. Yeah. Canaan land was where God was. In, uh, in the book of Ezekiel, I believe it is, the, the name of the city is the Lord is there. See, see, when you go back through the history of Israel, if you go study this out, and this is why you have to study the Word, you'll find that when God appeared to Abram, when he was Abram before his name was changed to Abraham, he appeared to him in Canaan land. That's right. This land, Abraham, I'm going to give to your descendants. Now, 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 the funny thing is, why did he ever leave? Why did they ever leave the land? They were in the land. Yeah. When he when he appeared to, to Isaac, he appears to him in Canaan land. Uh-huh. When he appears to Jacob, and you have Jacob's dream, and Jacob has Jacob's ladder, and he says, "This is the stairway to heaven, and this is the house of God in, in Bethel." That's in Canaan land. So Canaan land represented the Lord was there. So God, when God began to move in Israel, He told them, He said, I'm going to take you unto Myself. I'm taking you out of the slavery of Egypt to a land flowing with milk and honey. And He tells them in one place that, that into the sanctuary that My hands have made, into His dwelling place. He was bringing the people from the, the bondages of Egypt to the dwelling place of God, even in the natural. That's what Canaan represented was the house of the Lord. They were coming in to the place of God, to the dwelling of God 
His name was there. Later on, that's what they, they, they talk about in Jerusalem, right? His name was there. Amen. So, so here, he, he's telling them, put this on your mind. Everything God said, you, you take it, you put it on your mind, you, you, you write it up on your hand, you, you know, you carry it with you, you write it up on your doorpost, and then you come over here to Jesus said, said uh, there in John 5, what did He say to him? You, you have not His Word abiding in you. This is what wasn't abiding in them, what God had spoke in the prophets. He says, he says you, because Him that God hath sent, you don't believe. Right. You don't believe whom God has sent. And see, Jesus is speaking directly to the Jewish nation here, and He's saying to them, you know, this He's, he's really coming right out of Deuteronomy. He, he, he says, Moses wrote of me. And see, see, that picture there, that even that describe of coming into a land, into a place that you didn't build, that you didn't make, that you didn't do. See, that's the rest we have in Christ right now. We've come into a place of being. We've come into a reality that we didn't create, we didn't do, we didn't make, and now we're reaping the, the harvest. We're reaping the vineyard of the Lord. We're, 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 you, you know, we're sitting around feasting on the things of God. Amen. We didn't build them. We didn't make them. But we're now into a, to a city, into a house, into a place where God is the light of it, where the, where the Lamb is, is, is here in plenty, and it's just flowing with milk and honey. It's just flowing with life. It's just flowing with substance. And we're sitting right in the midst of what Deuteronomy spoke of. Deuteronomy was speaking of what God was going to do in Christ, and specifically, when you get into Deuteronomy 18, he said, he said in Deuteronomy 18, I'm going to raise up a prophet like unto your brethren. You will hearken. And that's, uh, I, I, I got the definition of that word hearken because it just, it just stood out at me that we were to heart, you know, he is telling the Jewish people, you're going to hearken to this prophet. Well, what, what do you think that might mean, hearken? Let me find that definition. It means to hear intelligently with implication of attention or obedience. So you're going to hear intelligently. And it's, got an, and it's implying you're going to give attention to what's said. And you're going to be obedient to what's said. So, so when he's going to raise up a, a, a prophet, Deuteronomy 18:15, Jehovah thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee of thy brethren, like unto me. Unto him shall you hear, hearken, and be obedient. All right. See, see, and so John 5, Jesus is declaring to them. I'm, I'm whom Moses wrote of. And you don't have the Word abiding in you because if you did, 
you would believe Moses and you would believe in me. Because if you had the word of Deuteronomy abiding in you where God told them to write it on their heart, write it in their mind, you know, all, all that God said. Now, now, when I say write it in their mind, it was not in them like it is today. But they were to write and know it. They were to know it. You know, in the natural, if I take something, if I want to learn something, you probably know this, Randy. What's one of the ways to really learn something? You sit and you write it down. If you want to know what something means... An exercise I used to do when I was in college, I'd have a test in the morning, and unfortunately a lot of times I didn't study to the night before. So I'd sit up about all night when I was younger, and I'd begin to write the definitions down. So when I was tested, I had them in my mind. You know, so, so now the, I had to go fill out the paperwork, there it was. So that's what God had told the Jewish people to do through the prophets. This word I'm giving you, you're going to gather it up. You're going to look at it. You're going to meditate it. You're going to think think on it all the time. It's going to be in you all the time. This is the word of covenant. This is this is all the time, right? And so. So here, Jesus comes and He says that you wouldn't believe you, that Word. You don't have that Word in you. So you won't believe what Moses said. Even, even Moses, whom you say you believe, is accusing you. I, I, I have a diversion here. Okay. It, it dawned on me... I'm, thought of it before, but this is the first time it's really hit me. The Jews at the time Jesus came in were in the same condition with their religion that some most of us have become with the religions that we have. And they are believing the religions and their religions are teaching and they lose touch with, with Christ. Amen. That's it. And they, they just they lost touch with God. Well, that's why they were in captivity. You're exactly right. See, a lot of people have this mentality of the Jewish people that they were just going on pleasing God. That they were Jews and they're just... They were trying to please their church. They're going on pleasing God, right? Because they're the Jews. But you're you're exactly right. The, the, The church world, a lot of people in the church world think this, that the Jews were just pleasing God. Well, if they were just pleasing God, they wouldn't have been in Roman captivity. Right. So, so Roman captivity was, was, is telling you something. When Jesus shows up on the scene, these folks are captive. They're captive. Right. They're, they're prisoners. You they're got prisoners. it. They're, they're in the bondage uh, of Rome. So, so they've come through the various kingdoms since Nebuchadnezzar, and here's the fourth great kingdom upon the earth, who is the Roman kingdom. Sitting lines have become one with the kingdom of Rome. So that's what they're beholding is the kingdom of Rome, not the kingdom of God. So here comes Jesus in the midst of them, and He brings them back to the word of Moses, and He says, if you have believed Moses, you would have believed yes. me. Yes. That I'm who Moses declared. And see, see, even the church today doesn't go back when they read this. We'll, we'll read right over top of this. Uh-huh. 
and we won't take our Bible and go back and research what he's talking about. We just read it like, well, I've read the book of John. Okay? What does that do for you? You know, it does something. I don't want to take away from that. But, but all at once that should catch my attention that Jesus is saying Moses speaks of him. You know, Brother James, I think, brought it up in, uh, in Luke 24 this past Sunday. Beginning at Moses, he, he, he began to share the Scriptures that were speaking according to him. So here's this voice of God that was coming upon the earth because God said that this prophet was going to speak in Isaiah. We read this a few weeks ago. I think it's Isaiah 58 or 59. He says this prophet that's coming upon the earth, he's going to have my words. He's going to speak my words. And then, and then Jesus says the words that I speak are not mine. The works that I, you know, the, the Father in me, He's doing the works. This, this is the prophet that was coming to fulfill the Scripture, and He was telling the Jews, you better hear Him when He comes, because if you don't hear Him, it's going to be required of you. And that's when, when you get into the book of Matthew, and Jesus starts saying, woe to Chorazin, woe to, to Bethsaida, and woe, woe. He's, he's coming right out of Jeremiah's, whoa, whoa, whoa. And he's telling them, you, you know, and, and this flows right into the book of Revelation, all these woes begin to come upon the earth. What earth it's coming upon was that nation that have, was required to submit to this Word, and they refused it. So, so, so all that was going to come upon them because they were refusing the very words of life. But but in John, John even gets a hold of this and says, But as many as received Him, those that heard this Word and hearkened to it, was obedient to it, as many as received Him, they have become children of God. Those that receive Him. So they've moved out of the slavery and bondage of Egypt and they've become the children of God. By not by the doing of the letter of the law, but through the hearing of faith, through the hearing of His words and responding to His words. It's like, it's like you say, when did faith come? Well, faith come in the person of Jesus Christ. And then you say, well, explain that to me. He that believeth on me, See, how many times in John does Jesus say, He that believeth on Me? He says it over and over and over again. He that believeth on Me out of His innermost being, out of His belly, shall flow rivers of living water. So up, up until He began to declare that in the earth, see, man was bound. The law had dominion over man. Man was bound until Jesus began to release that Word, and He was releasing a living Word. And that's why He said, the words that I speak, they are spirit, they're living, and they're life. They're alive. So when, when, we, when we believe into Him, He moves us out of the place we were, and, and what sealed His words, see, what sealed His words was His death burial, and resurrection. 
See, if he hadn't raised from the dead, his words wouldn't have had you. you they wouldn't have done what they what he said they were going to do. You know, but he sealed them in his blood, and he raised from the dead and executes them. And that's what that's what the writer of Hebrews says. He's the executor or executing his own will. He he goes into death and burial and raises from the dead and now now that word that he said he that believeth on me see before you know it's written back in the prophets whosoever calleth on the name of the lord shall be saved and here jesus is saying i'm i'm who joel's talking about too who calls upon my name is going to be saved he that believeth on me shall come to life and see that was a living word and that word comes out, and and through His power, His death, burial, and resurrection. Now, now I come and say that word to you. All right, I come and tell you that whosoever calleth on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you call on the name of the Lord, and you get saved. Yes. Because God had said by by Isaiah that that word was going to go into the seed that He was raising up and to the seed seed, and to the seed seed seed. So it was going to keep continuing. So it came out of Christ and went right into the apostles, and they began to declare His Word in the earth. And we, and that's what we're doing. We're declaring this living, life-giving Word that has come out of the mouth of God into the earth. Amen. Glory to God. And that's, and that's what Jesus said. He said, Now is the time when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God. And this is the same thing with hearken. And they that hearken hear, those that respond to that voice, those not just that have it come into their ear, but they respond to that voice, they will hear and live, come to life. And they're going to live by that Word that they hear. And see, see, the Lord, is, as I was looking at this, if I turned to all these, I'd be going forever. But the Lord, as He was speaking this in me, took me back to Ezekiel in the valley of the dry bones. What did He tell Ezekiel to do? Prophesy the Word. Yeah. He said, Ezekiel, can these bones live? Yeah. He says, thou knowest. Uh-huh. And, and He began to speak to them the Word. Mm-hmm. The living Word. And he, and, he, and that that valley of dry bones was the whole that dead bone was was the whole house of Israel, yep. and see those that come out of death into life are the whole house of Israel. Yep. It's like the church wants to call the natural man Israel. No, the whole house of Israel are those that have eaten his flesh. And drank, drank his blood, and that's what Jesus said. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part of me. You're not of me. Yeah. The way you're of me is you eat my flesh and you drink my blood. That's the house of Israel. The house of Israel's not according to the flesh anymore. It's not going to be. It, it, it's, it, and if you study, if you go back and again study, Israel was a man. And see, people are so confused with Israel. Israel was one single man. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. 
And that name is a prince with God or as one with God. I looked it up some time ago and it meant something like like to be as God. So he was a prince to God. He was to be as one with God. And and so that name was carrying this this identity that he's one with God. And so God put in that man the Word. And so that one man became a many-membered man because all of his sons took on his name. So all the sons of Jacob, they, didn't, they, they become the sons of Israel. They become the tribes of Israel. And they called the whole nation Israel because they were to be the identity of God in the earth. And through the Word, they were going to take on His identity by, by natural ways. This was all in type and shadow in the natural. But, but then, you know, God knew, because He knew before the foundation of the world, that Christ was going to come and that the true Israel was going to be birthed out of Him. That, that behold, how, how does a nation spring up? How does it say, spring forth in one day? Yeah. It springs forth in His resurrection. Yeah. So a nation comes up out of the earth when He's raised out of the earth and it springs forth and everywhere this Word goes, it quickens those into that city, into that kingdom, into that place. See, I told a guy at the airport one time, and we were sitting around talking, or at a hotel, we were both getting ready to, I guess, go to the airport, I think is what it was. We were sitting around at a, at a hotel, and he said... Uh, he began to share with me that he was he had converted to uh, Muslim or he was a Muslim, and I began to speak to him about the seed of God, and he said, "Are you you saying there's one elect seed, one elect race?" See, he he was only hearing it according to the natural. He thought I was was racist that I was was talking about the color of skin, and I said, "No, no, no, no." I said, yes, there's something like, yes, there's only one seed with God. But that's not skin color. That has nothing to do with your flesh. That's the seed of God, which is of the Spirit. And, and when you're born of His Spirit, you are brought into this kingdom. You are brought into a new place that you've never been before. You're translated out of darkness, just like natural Israel was out of Egypt, out of darkness, out of bondage. And they came out and went through the wilderness to come into life. The problem was they wouldn't enter into the life. So they wandered around in the wilderness. And and at times I believe that's the condition of many that are in the church today, they're wandering around in the wilderness. They've received a living word, a word that brings them out of out of the bondage of Egypt. But then they come out, and somebody tells them, "Well, it's Jesus plus this, and it's Jesus plus that, and you can't go into this place, or you've got to die, you know, to get to heaven. You've got to, you know, just like Brother Register was talking about earlier, or Brother Bob, you you you're not the bride of Christ." You know, you're not this, you're not that. That's saying something that doesn't mean that. And and this living word that brought them out. See, see, everybody that starts with God starts with the living word. If you have 
been born again, you, you have a living Word that's coming to your heart. Amen. It's a life-giving Word. And it's coming to your heart and it's brought life. If you have not had that experience, then you're not born again. That Word comes in and brings life. And so that Word gets, gets in you and brings life and it begins to, to bring you out. You know, its 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 purpose is to bring you out. And Jesus says something in John that's just just been going off in me. If you continue in My Word, so His Word comes into you, right? But He says, continue in, continue in His yeah. Word. Yes. Not not the words of the Baptist Church, not the words of the Pentecostal Church. Not the words of, of the Catholic Church. Yeah. He says, continue in My words. If you continue in My words, then you're going to be discipled. You're going to be My disciple indeed. Because who's going to disciple you? It's not, it's not me coming out and giving you a book of discipleship and saying, here, now you're a disciple of the Lord. We've given you our, our book of discipleship. It's the Lord Himself. He he's you, you know now you see these hundred what is it the hundred forty four thousand or the yeah. uh, you, you know uh, uh, here here you got a people that are being led wherever the Lamb shall lead he's he's leading them beside still waters he's leading them into green pastures he's discipling you you become led of his spirit you become taught of his word. And you become a disciple of the Lord, and you know who is teaching you. So you're not so so somebody else comes to you and they won't knock you off your 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 ledge because the Lord is my shepherd, the Lord is my teacher, the Lord is the one that's leading me. So so when when somebody comes and says, Well, it's not that way, Brother Wayne, then you say, Well, yeah, it is, because He's my shepherd. He's my king. I'm taught of God. And that's what God, what God said. They shall all be taught of God. Well, well, most believers don't believe God's teaching them. They believe some, you know, whatever preachers they go to is their teacher. And, I, and I'm not against preachers or teachers because I'm one of them, and, and I love doing it. But but the teacher that you've got to submit to and come to and know for yourself is the Lord. And anybody that's really speaking to you out of the Lord, they're wanting to espouse you to Him. They're wanting you to, to have the same measure. I was listening, and I'll, and I'll shut up on this. I was listening to Brother Rabin a few weeks ago, and he was talking about the measure. And how, and the parable of the measure, and how that 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 the one one started at the early part of the day, and the other one started in the last hour of the day, and they got the same measure. And in the natural, you don't get that. Why? Why would he pay one a penny and the last a penny? Because the measure's him. Right. And when you begin to understand that, and, and, you, and, you, and the Lord allows you to flow in ministry or operate in any, any gift of God, you want the people to have the same measure, the same relationship, the same understanding 
that, that God's given you, you don't want them to have your understanding. You want them to have the understanding God's given you. And that's why, why Paul said, be your followers of Christ as, as I am. Because he wanted them to have the mind and the, and the understanding that God was working in him. Yes. He wanted them in the same measure, the same stature. Not, not to marry them to, to him. Paul wasn't out to spouse them to himself. He was out that they be married, a spouse to one husband who is Christ, and that that one husband would lead them and guide them into the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. And that was that was the heart of Paul. And see, see, then how does all this transpire? What do I do? How do I? How does this happen with me? I just become available to God. What 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 I do is I get available. I I I, I do. I, I give up some time here and there. I, I give up some of my TV programs. I give up maybe going over here or going over there, and I just become available. And when I become available, see, he'll work. He delights to give you. He, he told you that he delights to give you the kingdom. He wants to give it to you. He said that, so he wants to make all of this real to you, and so all he, you know, for me, he may teach me better this, but for right now, I'll stick with it. After you believe and you're born again, you're filled with the Spirit, you've come on through, been baptized, and so forth. What does he require of you? He requires of you, like Mary and Martha, and and here in the story of Mary and Martha, here's Mary that sits down at His feet and chose the good things, she sat down to be taught of Him. She sat down to hear His voice. She sat down for Him to to speak to her. And and Martha was over here saying, Lord, look, I'm doing all this work for You. I'm I'm busy. I'm getting everything prepared. And here's my sister just sitting here at Your feet. Doing nothing. And he said, Martha, Mary's chosen the good thing. You know? And, and, and that's, that's what the church needs to do today is just sit down at His feet in His death. His yeah. feet's representing yeah. His death. Amen. Just sit there Amen. and let Him teach. Because he, he said by the prophets, God, yeah. you'll all be taught of God. Yeah. And and he does. He has gifts in the church. He has apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And he he does speak through ministry, but he also has a very personal uh, more than that. There's a there's the Holy Spirit. Christ is in you to declare Himself to you. Amen. Amen. And and that's what he's doing. He's just making himself real. Anyway, that's our personal.